section one of the national geographic magazine volume nine november eighteen ninety eight this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by avai in july two thousand twenty one sumatra's west coast by david g fairchild united states department of agriculture the island of sumatra is undoubtedly one of the most valuable of all the dutch possessions in the east its resources are almost wholly undeveloped and its interior is scarcely even known only one or two expeditions ever having crossed the island in its widest part it contains a great variety of mineral and vegetable products and its trackless forests are filled with still unconquered tribes of men remarkable cannibals among them numerous rhinoceroses and large herds of elephants it possesses a chain of verdure-clad volcanoes which give to its west coast one of the most salubrious climates in the archipelago and its scenery surpasses in beauty the famous scenery of java which has been called the most beautiful tropical island in the world the island is held by a small force of dutch and native soldiers and governed by a body of dutch officials scattered along the coast cities whose control over the natives is more moral than physical that such a marvellous island should have remained so long comparatively unexplored simply illustrates the slowness with which the work of exploration is being conducted by the dutch home government which hampers in every way the movements of the more progressive colonial government as american interests in the east are increasing the readers of this magazine may find acceptable a few notes regarding one of the largest and certainly the most beautiful island of the whole archipelago miss sidmore has called java the garden of the east in her charming account of travel among its miniature bamboo villages and paddy fields sumatra is compared by the dutch although incomparably grander and totally different to switzerland you approach java with a feeling of how beautiful and lovable everything seems but as you steam into emma harbour on sumatra's west coast your mind is overpowered by the sight of the verdure-covered volcanoes and trackless forests stretching away into the unknown and undiscovered the western coast of this wonderful island famed among the dutch as hedbovenland van sumatra is as near a tropical switzerland if such an appellation does not convey a confused notion as is to be found anywhere on the globe new zealand can boast of glaciers of surpassing beauty justly entitling it to the place it holds as the switzerland of the southern hemisphere but i am confident that after the sources of the amazon have been thrown open to the tourist and orizaba has been surrounded by winter hotels the most luxuriant vegetation and most wildly fascinating scenery in the world will be sought for among the chain of volcanoes that forms the backbone of sumatra there are several ways of visiting sumatra none being very direct but the pleasantest is to take one of the comfortable steamers of the koninklijke paketvaart machapai either from the island of penang 
where tourists call going either way around the world and steam west to the north point of the island and southward along its western coast to padang the principal port or do as my friend mr barbour lathrop and i did leaving batavia on the north coast of java and steaming west through the straits of sunda past the famous volcano of krakatua and northward along the coast stopping at padang over one steamer and catching the next which landed us finally at penang the city of padang seemed on the first night of arrival one of the hottest and wettest places it were possible for water and sunshine to concoct but where the sunlight pours down its rays perpendicularly and the clouds every afternoon empty an almost unlimited quantity of water palms are able to live a life really becoming such royal representatives of the vegetable kingdom you feel oppressed with the inconceivable power of the living matter the protoplasm which surrounds you in temperate regions you have become accustomed to the supremacy of man he cuts down and destroys and clears big patches of ground free almost of every living thing here you feel as if the plants merely tolerated your presence the hotels serve to distract your attention from nobler thoughts by their insufficiencies and limited capacity i have often wondered what a party of cook's tourists would do if they landed and found only four or five beds at the disposition of new arrivals and not sufficient bananas to go around to be met at your first meal in the tropics when you look forward to reveling in the delicious new sorts of bananas with the incomprehensible statement of tida adalagi which being interpreted by your dutch acquaintance means there are no more is a hard and unforgettable experience the more inexplicable since the level plains about the town are filled with immense banana plantations one small banana is not enough for an appetite whetted by a long ocean voyage this is however an introduction to one of the many peculiarities of the tropics which irritate you until you find the absurdity of being irritated by the unavoidable padang as a town has nothing to recommend it its public buildings and houses are embowered in the most gorgeous tropical vegetation but they themselves are plain and look as if they were moth-eaten termites work rapidly upon the corner posts and decay soon makes new buildings old then too the malarial plasmodium finds in the region a most congenial home and the pallid faces and slow gait of the europeans tell too plainly of an unequal struggle between blood corpuscles and the invading army of parasites i do not know that padang is celebrated for its fevers though it is certainly not a healthy place but it is for other reasons that travellers do not stay long in padang as the terminus of a most remarkable mountain railroad worthy of a meigs one of the earliest cog railways ever constructed for freight purposes it affords the traveller unrivalled opportunities to get into the interior as explorers express it the ombilin coal fields sent to padang by means of this road the coal for the netherlands steamship line which calls here both in and outbound 
it is not a great way from this region that some of the petroleum fields have been discovered which the standard oil company tried in vain to get control of being checked so the newspapers report by a suspicious paternal home government which wishes to hold everything valuable in its own hands stretches of low swampy jungle line the track on both sides thickets of the atap palm with its creeping stem and rigid upright leaves whose leaflets flutter incessantly in the slightest breeze rise out of deep weed overgrown pools suggestive of all sorts of serpents leeches and water insects immense plantations of bananas overgrown with masses of tangled morning glories with their light blue blossoms have crowded out the more varied natural vegetation in places and stand as evidences of the cultural skill and indomitable energy of those greatest of all tropical colonizers the chinese but soon the train whirled us into the cloth or gorge itself and for several hours our eyes were busy with scenes of the most gorgeous freshness and beauty the charm of tropical verdure is largely due i believe to the abundance of broad-leaved plants which it contains nothing illustrates this more than a comparison of such plants as the banana or talipod palm with a south african fine-leaved heath or a north woods pine as individuals all are beautiful perhaps equally so but the water colors of the tropics are painted in splashes and with a broad free hand while the foliage of the temperate regions is painfully etched on copper plate this gorge is compared by the dutch with the gotthardstrasse below andermatt but they belittle it by such comparison for the Clof van anne with its countless waterfalls rushing mountain streams cloud-covered hillsides and floating mists added to its endless variety of flowering shrubs feathery fern fronds waving palms and tall imposing forest trees makes a composition of the first rank among scenic masterpieces and entitles it to the first place on the line of the world's gallery padang pajang a village some seven hundred meters above the sea level with a comfortable hotel of brick and thatch after the dutch style forms a most delightful stopping place just above the gorge the natives here although of the malay race are quite distinct from those of the island of java or the peninsula of malacca they are a well-to-do even wealthy race and build costly houses of indisputable beauty making them of teak or other wood panelling them with great care carving and painting them after patterns often of considerable taste and beauty the roof structure with their gables rising one above the other resemble more those of the siamese temple than any other oriental structures the floors of nearly all sag in the middle and the ends of the houses are raised on high posts frequently carved and sometimes filled with bamboo wicker work they are often communal in nature as many as three or four families living in the same dwelling in front of each dwelling house stands a small square building more highly decorated often than the house itself which is used for a godang or rice granary 
and no native compound of houses is complete without such a godang. The interiors of these houses are not without modern conveniences in the way of comfortable beds, with pillows and canopies, the better of the latter being often decorated with curious and showy pendant ornaments made entirely of the white pith of some tropical plant. These houses are more comfortable than those of any other race in the Dutch East Indies, and seem luxurious when compared with the dirty hovels of the Maoris or the pebble-floored homes of the Samoans. Although my friend and I were prepared by the enthusiastic accounts of the Dutch officials to see a more comely race than the Javanese in Sumatra, we were surprised and charmed by the picturesque and highly colored costumes of the natives. Nowhere did we see these costumes so abundant or striking as at a little market or passer halfway to the larger market of Kubu Krambil, to which we drove behind a crazy pair of ponies in a very uncomfortable herdic. There, in a little clearing in the dense vegetation, about one of the prettiest of native public houses, where public declarations are made and cockfights witnessed, was gathered the most effectively gaudy and picturesque group of natives I had ever seen. Immense Roman and Egyptian-like headdresses, carefully coloured sarongs tightly but gracefully folded about the shapely forms, jackets of soft, loosely woven black, trimmed with gold and silver braid, and bracelets and bangles in great profusion, reminded one of a gala day in some Italian or Spanish town. But the most curious feature of the native dress is their earrings, or ear-buttons, as they would be more properly called, for they are sometimes an inch or more in diameter, and of light but solid metal. All stages in the preparation of the ear for the reception of these buttons were to be found. There were mere babies with a single small puncture, sweet-faced children of four with a coiled bit of springy banana leaf rolled tightly and passed through the puncture to continually expand it to the proper diameter by the pressure of the unrolling leaf and graceful young bells with gold and silver buttons tastefully elaborated as large as the top of an after-dinner coffee cup the young girls we were told could wear their earrings or not as they chose but if they knew how ugly they looked when the buttons are removed and the lobe of the ear appears as a loop of gristle which dangles and flaps against the cheek they would wear them always upon marriage however the bride must wear the buttons as with us the wedding ring after the birth of the first child or when five years have elapsed she must take them out and lay them aside the old women are generally ugly, as they have buttonless ears, though as far as their other features go, they are remarkably well preserved. Then, too, there is more significance in the dress of these natives than there is in that of the Javanese. If a woman is poor, she wears a single dark skirt or sarong. If she is well-to-do, she puts a second, more costly, over it, covering all but the bottom. If she is rich, she puts on a third, covering the major part of the second, and if she is very rich, she dons a fourth. The strange carved and gilded light wooden headdresses, and still stranger box-like bracelets, 
as well as the delicately formed bangles and diamond-set pins and bracelets one of which we priced and found to be worth one hundred fifty dollars testify to a skill as gold workers which rivals that of the natives of british india the golden sarongs for which the women ask fifty dollars or more apiece are too sombre and in this regard are disappointing lacking that originality of pattern we are used to attribute to the orient the silver filigree work of the men were you not on the other side of the world you would swear was made in mexico it so nearly resembles it in fineness of detail and originality of design their beaten wear and heavier pieces are distinctly inferior to the british indian work the surroundings of padang pajang rival the famous scenes from the little javanese town of bautenzorch accounted one of the three or four most beautiful spots in the world the sunsets over the volcanoes singalang and merapi with their low drifting clouds of peculiar violet purple and lilac hues form sights never to be forgotten the famous sunsets in the indian ocean are no more wonderful pathways lead off from the well-travelled road at every turn and you have only to follow one of these for a few minutes to find yourself in the midst of the most luxuriant forest with overtowering bamboos and tree ferns palms and flowering shrubs thickets of impenetrable rattan palms low bushes over which immense numbers of large black ants are running moist moss-covered banks a tangled mass of liverworts filmy ferns and lichens with here and there an insect so closely resembling the bits of lichen that even an expert entomologist might pass it by unnoticed close by the path in one of the most fascinating of these many valleys there was growing a clump of bamboo some of the shoots of which although eighty feet or more in height were evidently newly grown with leaves still immature i shook one of these young shoots slightly with my hands and to my surprise the whole top fifteen feet or more in length snapped off and falling at my feet was broken into a half dozen fragments few experiences could give one a better idea of the rapid growth of plants in the tropics than this growing like a giant asparagus shoot at the rate of a foot or more a day in a short three months it is a tree of the forest towering above the tops of many century-old monarchs and yet after all it is botanically nothing but a grass though acquainted with the luxuriance of vegetation for which java is justly celebrated i was little prepared for the overwhelming exuberance of growth around padang pajang and when the time came for us to leave i was almost ready to abandon the enticing trip already promised me by my friend in favour of a little longer sojourn amid its beauties fort de coq our next stopping-place nine hundred forty metres above the sea is known all over the dutch east indies as a sanatorium for the dutch army officers and men are sent there from other portions of the archipelago to recover from the malarial fever or the beriberi the two most prevalent and dangerous diseases of this portion of the world 
the cool dry mountain air soon fits them for active service again the town itself has little of interest the hotel filled as it is with convalescent soldiers and their faithful wives is poor enough being kept by half-castes with more kindliness than business ability the surrounding country is open prairie dotted with clumps of bamboo and bits of thick woodland and makes a very different impression from the scenery about padang pajang the native villages surrounded by fruit trees and patches of upland rice contain a well-to-do race of people some of whom manufacture jewelry expensive gold-woven cloths and beaten silverware kota gedong being the centre for this kind of work it was interesting to notice the independence of the native women which in fact is one of their marked characteristics either an outgrowth or consequence of their marriage customs a man and a woman upon marrying do not form a home of their own but the husband remains among his own circle of relations and resides only temporarily with his wife the children remain with her and inherit all her property and a half of that earned by their father and mother together the remaining half goes to their father's sisters or to the children of those sisters from fort de coq to the little village of pajo combo the end of this branch of the railroad is only a few miles it is the farthest inland town that can be reached by rail and its principal street a broad straight avenue of casuarinas is lined on either side with innumerable small villages and curious mesigits or mohammedan temples near the centre of this avenue is a large open square or market-place in which on pasar or market-days the natives gather with their curious wares it is on such market-days that the pajo combo women noted all over the dutch east indies for their beauty are to be seen arrayed in their costly sarongs and decked out with their bangles ear-buttons and bracelets whether or not we really saw a special market or pasar bazaar i do not know but there were thousands of people there whose customs to our eyes did not compare favourably with those worn at the modest little pasar near padang panjang few sights can surpass a malay pasar however in interest there is a wonderful array of strange fruit and vegetables devices for striking fire children's toys ornaments for headdresses cooking utensils cloths of bright but tastefully blended colours and a whole host of light refreshments palm wines peanut cheeses covered with heavy growths of green and yellow moulds pineapple sauces inviting-looking curries and cooling drinks innumerable the livestock market nearby showed that the resources of the island in this direction were excellent as cattle after the alderney type and hogs tough little ponies goats and indian buffalo were exhibited in profusion one visits pajo combo because it is the nearest point to the cloth or gorge of harau and the waterfalls of batang harau called by the dutch the lauterbrunnen and staubbach respectively of their indies 
it is curious to note how the dutch compare scenes in sumatra with noted points of interest in switzerland whereas in fact there is little comparison and absolutely no similarity the rugged grandeur of switzerland in no sense recalling the foliage softened outlines of sumatra an hour's ride in an uncomfortable native cart brought us to the entrance of this little known but certainly most wonderful gorge as we approached the tall grey marble cliffs rose perpendicularly before us to a height of two hundred or three hundred metres on either side like silken threads we counted fifteen waterfalls tumbling down from the tableland above the niches and crevices of this grey marble formed footholds for the most varied of tropical plants and these in their growth covered great patches with luxuriant verdure or brilliant colouring bathed in spray from the waterfalls there were countless tropical ferns and lichens algae liverworts and mosses through the gorge at places not more than seventy feet wide flowed a stream of clear water its banks and bed clothed with insectivorous water plants and overhung with flowering shrubs and rank growing grasses and sedges the fall of batang harau suggested by its height and volume the staubbach near lauterbrunnen but at its foot is a mass of moss and fern-covered boulders instead of the barren shale worn by tourists feet instead of the flower-covered carpet of the alps the narrow valley was filled with palms rank grasses small rubber trees and a host of strange shrubs and flowering plants among them curious melastomas and a large orange-fruited fig which decorated the cliffs with its fruit and foliage no orchids were to be seen anywhere in the gorge and it is possible that they had been taken out by some orchid hunter after a morning spent in exploring the resources of this wonderful gorge we returned to the comfortable little hotel at Pajacombo, where that most remarkable of rice lunches, the rice tafel, was being prepared for us. The next morning we returned by rail to Padang Panjang and passed again through the Clough Van Ane, where drifting clouds and occasional showers served to heighten the glory of its scenery. The comfortable steamer Maitzerker of the Royal Packet Company the great steamship monopoly of the archipelago was at anchor the next day at emma harbour when we arrived by train from padang over five hundred soldiers were ticketed to leave by her and the wharf was swarming with the soldiers and their wives it was not either as might be expected a scene of leave-taking for in the dutch indian army the soldiers take their wives with them into the field that is a certain number of them chosen by lot for each company native wives be it understood decks were strewn with blankets and camp utensils and every available inch of space was occupied they were all bound for Aceh, the northern point of the island where for the last twenty-five years the dutch have been trying to conquer one of the most warlike and stubborn races of savages in all the orient for several months past the dutch troops had been unusually active in Aceh or achin as it is called in english and this accounted for the large body of troops going north at this time 
little or nothing regarding these movements of the dutch troops against the achines gets into our press but nevertheless they are of a serious nature and entail yearly the sacrifice of many lives and the expenditure of large sums of money that their campaigns are not prosecuted with that vigour which would seem to an american necessary and economical can scarcely be questioned but certainly the difficulties of climate and position are great and the bravery and persistence of the dutch troops who sooner or later fall victims to the dreaded malaria are of the most praiseworthy character the journey by sea up the west coast of sumatra unless it be made on one of the small coasting steamers is generally uneventful the low-lying islands of nias and puelo tello however interesting to a naturalist or ethnologist are only low-lying islands of little interest as seen from the vessel two whole days steaming brought us to anchor in the roadstead of olele the port of the old capital of achin the fortified town of kota raja under the kind escort of the captain we landed that christmas morning and drove from the port a distance of several miles to kota raja the city which contains some twenty thousand inhabitants is surrounded by a ten-foot iron picket fence through which access is gained at carefully guarded gateways inside the town lies the walled fort where the officers quarters are found and which is also guarded so that in case of a general attack it may form a place of retreat a string of some fourteen forts and blockhouses has been thrown horseshoe-like with either end on the coast about the town of kota raja and are all connected by a narrow-gauge railroad with each other and with kota raja itself the coaches are provided with iron plating and serve for the transport of supplies of troops and seemingly of school-children as well for as we made our visit to the blockhouses along the line some bright-looking girls scrambled in books in hand bound for the day-school in kota raja and they seemed quite as unconcerned as if no war was in progress and heedless of the fact that from the jungle in the near distance might at any time issue a hail of bullets these forts and blockhouses contain from one hundred fifty to seven hundred men each and several maxim guns they are made of piles ten or more feet high driven closely together and are protected by a mass of wire stretched over low iron posts barbed wire fences and a broad border of century plants arranged in closely planted rows in fact everything uncomfortable to bare feet is thrown about these stockades for a half mile or more about this line of blockhouses the forest is entirely cleared away leaving a clean sweep for the maxim guns while inside the line of railway the friendly natives are allowed to plant their rice they are prevented however from harvesting it until they shall have spied out and delivered to the dutch for punishment a certain number of their warlike neighbours it would be hard to imagine a more uninteresting life than that led by the officers and soldiers who garrison these blockhouses narrow low houses with a single thickness of corrugated iron to keep out the heat of that burning tropical sun 
few trees or often none to shed a grateful shade and no intercourse with the outside world save through the occasional newspaper or magazine no seasons no change from the daily routine of the tropics it is no wonder that cases of insomnia are frequent and insanity one of the most dreaded of results there are no more touching instances to be found of self-sacrifice than those of the wives of dutch officers in achin who prefer short lives with their husbands under such uncomfortable conditions to long lives at home in snug little holland on our return to kota raja we were shown through the truly wonderful army hospital where patients both civil and military are cared for and where between april twenty four and december twenty four of eighteen ninety six one thousand two hundred sixty five cases of wounded men and several thousand civilians and soldiers for diseases other than those arising from wounds were treated the minor cases were treated in the hospitals of the various forts and when we take into consideration the heavy percent of deaths we get an idea of the serious nature of the fighting one corner was occupied by the cholera huts temporary structures which are burned after each patient is treated and buried for according to the commanding surgeon's statement no real cases of asiatic cholera have in his experiences yielded to treatment achinese dutch or malay soldiers are faithfully treated and though the achinese as soon as well and free sometimes escape and return to their people to fight against the dutch when picked up as wounded prisoners they receive as careful treatment as though they were loyal subjects leaving olele late that night after a charming experience of dutch hospitality we anchored next morning off segli considered the most dangerous benteng or fort in sumatra later in the day we landed at telok semawe a fort further down the coast protected by a most formidable series of high barbed wire fences and a gavy there was an air about these blockhouses or bentengs reminding one forcibly of the indian blockhouses of our forefathers and should we see fit to undertake the control of such an archipelago as the philippines the training of our regulars as indian fighters would come into excellent play though the races there are perhaps not comparably as stubborn as these long lithe muscular achinese the trip from telok semawe to penang was uneventful and both my friend and i felt that in seeing this corner of the world our eyes had been opened to a war of more importance than we had either of us dreamed of finding there and to the beauties of an island which has probably no equal for tropical beauty and grandeur in the world. End of section 1